I'm Crystal Keating, and this is the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. Each week, we're bringing you real conversations about disability and finding hope through hardship and sharing practical ways you can include people living with disability in your community. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our encouraging conversations. As Johnny and Friends supports you to welcome people who are marginalized due to a disability or chronic health issue, I'm so happy to be joined by my coworkers, Brett Welshimer and Ryan Falk. Today, we're talking about how to be the heart and hands of Jesus to reach out to people living with disability with the love of Christ. We're also identifying some of the visible and invisible barriers that can hinder the church and including everyone. I'm especially excited about our brand new video series you'll hear mentioned that answers frequently asked questions we've received from churches, which you can find at johnnyandfriends.org podcast. Brett and Ryan, I know you two are passionate about helping churches to welcome and embrace individuals and families affected by disability, but I want to know, why is this so important to you? Well, you know, it's God's heart. He wants all people to know Jesus. He wants none to perish. We think of the great commandment. We think of the great commission. Love your neighbors yourself. Go make disciples of all nations. And God's church is his ordained vehicle to reach the world with the message of Christ. So we want to come alongside the church. It's God's heart. It is. And with that said, why do you think churches are not more proactive in reaching out to those with disabilities? I think the main thing is just a lack of understanding and awareness. Mm. Uh, Church leaders by and large don't know what they're missing and they don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. So you hear a lot of church leaders say things like, oh, you know, if if somebody with a disability, X, Y, or Z came to our church, we would take care of them. Totally. But they're not asking the question of like, why aren't they there in the first place? Mm -hmm. And so it's that chicken and an egg type thing. If there's somebody with a disability present in the church, the church figures out what it takes to keep them involved. But if the church isn't prepared to do that ahead of time, and there's barriers that keep people from even coming in the first place or things that they find unwelcoming, even accidentally, it can prevent them from ever kind of engaging and addressing that issue. Mm. And it's an issue of invisibility. So 1 Corinthians 12 is one of the most, to me, compelling passages in all scripture. And it describes the church as the body of Christ Mm. and the body being made up of many members, many different types of members. But verse 22 says that the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. So when we have kids drawing stick figures, or when even I think adults think about what a body looks like, they'll always draw a head, they'll always draw a torso, legs, arms, eyes, and mouth. They'll less often draw things like fingers, nose, or ears, but you can't really draw a kidney or a heart, Mm. even though those are arguably more important than anything else that I just mentioned. Mm. And so it's It's a matter of when you look at the body, you don't see the parts that you're missing. So you don't know whether or not that stick figure has a kidney or hearts, but if you didn't, you'd be missing it. And so the church in the same way will look and say, well, we've got a mouth, you know, we've got a a pastor who can speak really well. We've Mm. got eyes of people who look out for outreach opportunities. We've got people who serve that are the hands and feet. But if you're missing some of those more invisible parts of the body, you might not realize what you're missing. Right. Well, Ryan, you were a youth leader. What was your experience when you were serving at the church? I I was just describing my experience. It was one of those things where I didn't realize 
who the kids we were missing in our ministry were until they started showing up. And we started doing this kind of separate Saturday night service. We would normally have the, the main event on Sunday morning, but Saturday night, we would do just kind of a small group because at first there was about four kids that were coming. And after about two years of doing this, of just me and another guy that were leading it, we had you know, 20 plus on any given weekend that were coming. And a large percentage of those had some form of special needs. We had kids with autism. We had a girl with muscular dystrophy that were coming. And I started asking this question, kind of having a reality check of looking around after a year and saying, why weren't any of these kids coming to our Sunday morning service, the big, you know, multiple hundreds of kids that were showing up, the crazy, noisy games. And I started asking that question. That was what got me to even realize that we had created these invisible barriers and expectations that prevented people from coming and feeling welcome, even though none of us would have ever like wanted anything other than for them to be there. Right. There were things that had made them feel like they couldn't come, they couldn't engage. And so for me, that was really what started opening my eyes was I just got lucky and accidentally created an environment that had a low enough sensory stimulation and was slow enough and small enough that it allowed them to come in and find community and start hearing the Bible being taught and worshiping alongside their peers and forming friendships and, and doing all the things that you want a youth group to accomplish. But it wasn't because of intentionality on my part. Mm. So, you know, most pastors and churches would say, of course, people with all abilities are welcome here. No one's going to put up a sign that says no disabilities welcomed. But it sounds like what you're saying is there are some barriers that maybe we're not aware of. What are what are some of those major barriers that we should be more cognizant of? You know, barriers come in a lot of different types of forms. And some are, are really obvious, like there's a set of stairs and someone in a wheelchair can't get up those <laughs> stairs. It's easy to add a ramp to solve that problem. Right. There's some less visible things like consider a wheelchair user rolling into a bathroom and not being able to turn around or get into a stall. So how do you come to church and hang out for fellowship if you can't use the bathroom? Right. Things that people who don't use wheelchairs, we probably take for granted. Completely take for granted. It's just, of course, you can go in the bathroom and use it whenever you want to. Mm-hmm. But then there's those things that I think are really more important and less obvious, and those are cultural norms that we hold up in churches, maybe biblical values that are more cultural values. Hmm. Things like every child needs to be able to sit quietly on the green rug and listen to the Bible story. Yep. But the reality is a child with autism or ADHD is not able to do that. Mm. So how do we include that child so that they can hear God's word? Mm -hmm. Or we think about that norm that the auditorium should be completely silent when the pastor is preaching God's word. But in reality, there are people with disabilities that can't control their movements or their verbalization. So does that mean they can't be a part Mm -hmm. of what's happening in our worship services on a Sunday or a Saturday night? So those are real barriers for those people. And I think another big thing is what we believe about people with disabilities. Are we aware of maybe what we've been taught and never comes to the surface what we really, really believe until Mm -hmm. we ask the hard questions like, can someone with an intellectual disability actually learn and understand God's word? Mm -hmm. Why would I want to be friends with somebody with an intellectual disability? What am I going to get out of that? Um, And when I've come to meet these people and 
build friendships. There's so much value and reciprocal love in that relationship that I was missing out on. Assumptions about what we think about somebody we see in a wheelchair. Do we assume someone in a wheelchair also has an intellectual disability? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it logically. One of uh, the guys that I work with has a bachelor's in business, a master's in counseling. He's a wheelchair user. Brilliant guy. But he says how often people assume he has an intellectual disability simply because he uses a wheelchair. Why would we think that way? And then there's even still groups of people that believe that a disability is because of sin or unbelief. And if we think that way, that puts barriers between us and the people that we want to serve. What are some other things churches can do to overcome, not just the physical barriers of the stairs and the entryway and the parking, but some of those invisible relational barriers? I mean, I, I think you're you're already touching on it, that it's about relationship. And one of the, the key examples that I experienced when I was doing youth ministry that opened my eyes was whenever we'd break up into our small groups, I would usually have a whiteboard. And if there was any people involved in the, the Bible story that we were talking about that day, I would draw it out there because I'm a very visual person. And every time that whiteboard would come out, one of the kids in my group who had autism would start getting really agitated. And I would be like, hey, buddy, like we're almost done. Like, you know, hang in there. Can you be like quiet? Can you, I was trying all these behavioral things. And after weeks of this going on, I finally thought to ask, maybe I should find out (laughs) what's bothering him in the first place. And so I said, hey, what's wrong? And he points back at the whiteboard behind me and is like, none of your people have noses. Hmm. And I, I, yeah, I was just drawing, you know, like eyes and a mouth. So I drew a little triangle on there for the noses and all of a sudden he calmed down and was able to listen and participate really well. It struck me just how simple it was, how simple of a solution. Um, But I also saw in that moment, the danger of if I had taken a disciplinary route, Mm -hmm. how things might've turned out very differently. If I had said, if you can't be quiet, you're going to have to go outside. If you can't be quiet or settle down, we're going to have to call your parents. And then that would create shame and that would create frustration that he feels like he's not being heard. It would make him embarrassed in front of the other kids to be disciplined. But from that point forward, all I had to do was draw noses. And so you can't know that. You can't write a book and you know have a list of things that you have to be accessible and then be like, make sure to draw a triangle if you ever do a stick figure. That's not, <laughs> it's too specific. But if you get to know individuals and if you think of disability more in terms of understanding your friend and what mm-hmm. it would take for them, and it becomes more of a methodology and a way of doing things rather than a thing you do. Well, I just loved what yeah. Ryan said. He finally asked. It's like, dude, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> and the simple should, answer was, but they don't have noses. Yeah. It, it should have been a lot more of an obvious you know, thing to, to start with, but it wasn't for me. And I don't think it is for a lot of people. But And in my experience, so many times allowing someone to participate is a simple little thing if you'll just love them enough to ask mm-hmm. and walk alongside them. Mm-hmm. You talk about going beyond friendship to actually serving together. Can you dive a little deeply on that? The main thing is when you serve somebody, there is a shift in the relational dynamics where if there's somebody who is the server and somebody who is served, that's good. But the body of Christ and the example that 1 Corinthians 12 uses requires for the members of the body to be contributing to the good of the church. And one of the things that we say a lot is, you know, guests can be welcomed 
to sit at the table. You can welcome them in, you can feed them, but family's the one that helps do the dishes. They're the ones that help prepare the meal. So until you've got somebody who's being served and is also reciprocating that service, you haven't really closed that loop to make them a full part of your family. At best, they're a guest. And you can love guests. You can like guests. Guests can enjoy being at your house. But there's something much more that the church needs to be, is that the church needs the gifts that they have, because those gifts are things that come from God. They're things that God has given that individual for the good of the church right. and for the glory of his name, for the building up of the kingdom and for the sanctifying of his people. So there's there is such a need for that to become a two-way street and for it to not just be, you know, we serve them. Mm-hmm. What it's that assumption we talked about earlier that every person is indispensable and valuable and needed Mm -hmm. and everybody has gifts and abilities that need to be used. And if everybody isn't using their gifts and abilities, then the church is incomplete. It's as simple as the pew sitters in a sense that just comes a Sunday morning to receive opposed to invest in the ministry of the church. Well, that means everybody, whatever your abilities because the gifts of the spirit have been given for the good of community, they can only be discovered in community. So you're never going to know if somebody is a gifted teacher, if they're on a desert Island by themselves, like they might have that gift, but if it's not embodied and put into the context of relationship and community, you're never going to discover it. You're never going to know if somebody's hospitable. If that person never has the opportunity to welcome anybody into their home, to welcome anybody into friendship with them. And so if you've got people with disabilities who often have most of their relationships, either through family or people who are paid to be there with them, you can't have genuine friendship. And if you don't have genuine friendships, you're not going to be able to even discover what that person's gift is. Mm -hmm. And so again, maybe the reason why some people with disabilities aren't serving in the church is because the church has never learned what that person could do to serve. So important. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about is having accessible churches, accessible hearts, accessible buildings, but what does an accessible church actually look like and what does it feel like? I really think it's, it's again, a cultural view as the church that we look at the front doors of our church as a place where everyone is welcome, that as a church, we have that understanding that whoever walks through that front door, that we want them there and that we have a plan for coming alongside them to help them to be a part of the church family. Right. And that's a mindset. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we prefer to be with people that look like us, talk like us, sound like us, and act like us. But when we think of God's eternal kingdom, it's all people of every walks of life, of every culture, of every experience. So as a church, we need to think If someone comes through the door that's different than me, recovering drug addict, a single parent, someone dealing with their sexuality, somebody who's a wheelchair user, has an intellectual disability, do we look at them and say, you know what, we want you here and we want to open every avenue of ministry that our church offers to you. So what do you need for that nonverbal child? How can they participate in the children's ministry program for that husband that comes in who's a wheelchair user, how can he sit with his wife during the worship service? We see every person as having those spiritual gifts that we need. Mm -hmm. So it's that mindset. And when we 
think that way and we want to receive everyone equally and openly with welcoming arms, with no barriers to any area of ministry for them, it changes how you feel when you walk into that building. Yeah, there, there's a, a big difference, I think, between coming in and people saying, oh, uh, we didn't expect you here, <laughs> as opposed to saying, oh, we've already got a spot prepared for you. And I think, you know, just a few weeks ago, um, was supposed to have dinner at a friend's house, and we went over there, knocked on the door, he opened it, looking very confused, wearing sweatpants, oh, no. and was like... Uh, what you guys doing here? And that kind of <laughs> embarrassment that I read Sunday as Saturday and so showed up on Saturday and they were not prepared to receive us. There was nothing there. It was very awkward. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll see you tomorrow. Um, that's the feeling I think a lot of people with disabilities have when they come into a church and it looks like, oh, we didn't expect you to be here. We don't really know what to do. And so, I think people will often come and go, or they'll just look at a website, decide this church doesn't understand my family situation. It doesn't, it does, it's not ready for me. They've never thought about me and they just never come. That's, I think, a huge difference then for an accessible church is if somebody shows up and they can say genuinely to them, we're glad you're here. We've got a space for you and we love you because Jesus loves you too. Right. It is. And what does it, it look like? I think of one of uh, the families that comes to our church and the first Sunday mom showed up with her son with some significant disabilities and she, the, the immediate response was, oh, well, Brandon should come into the children's ministry involved. And, yeah. she, and she looked at the child's ministry worker going, but I didn't call ahead, but <laughs> you don't know what his needs are. But they were like, it's okay. We have a buddy for him. He's going to have a great time. Go to church. Go worship. She was blown away that she could walk through the doors unannounced and be cared for. Where did that come from? All those things we've been talking about that Mm -hmm. were prepared ahead of time to say yes to everyone. No, and that's really the heart of Jesus that makes him distinct from all others that throughout history have touted that they know God. His love is so different. His mercy is so great. And we are an expression of who he is. So the way that we welcome people really points back to him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Ryan, you talked about including everybody in the body of Christ. What are churches missing when they may not include people with disabilities into the church? Well, you don't know and you can't know what you're missing because people have different abilities. So it's not like when you include people with disabilities, you get this. It's it's whatever God gives that person. I think a lot of churches will begin their disability ministry because they are convinced by something from scripture. So they'll read a, a passage like 1 Corinthians 12 and hear the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. So scripture says it. So let's do it. Let's start making an effort to include people with disabilities and they'll do it kind of out of a duty and a conviction from scripture. Mm -hmm. But then after a few years, they invariably say, the reason we're doing it now is richer than the reason we began. Mm -hmm. Because you can begin with the thinnest, the Bible says it, so I did it. But when you do it, you start to reap the benefits and you start to say, we're not just doing this because intellectually we know it's a good idea or because we are convinced by scripture, but because we have experienced the benefit and the blessing of including people with disabilities in our church. We like them being here. They are our friends. They are our co-laborers in the gospel. I just say to any church out there, you don't know what you're missing, but you're missing something. 
and there's something that God wants to do in and through your church because of the people with disabilities that he's going to bring there that you would otherwise miss out on. Well, there's a vitality that comes to a church that's obedient to God's word and God's heart and serving people with disabilities is a part of what Ryan, you said it's an act of obedience maybe initially, but the Mm -hmm. vitality and life that comes into the body when you honor God's creation in that way, Mm -hmm. it's supernatural. And isn't that Mm -hmm. what we're about as the church? Mm -hmm. Amen, amen. Well, and if you just simply think of a body that has missing parts, you're not going to experience that vitality. Without my pancreas, I'm in trouble. No, yes, you are. <laughs> so we really need to think um, just big picture about what is God's heart for people? And do we want a church that is blessed of the Lord by following his commands? It's upside down, but it's how we express our worship to the Lord by trusting him in this way. Well, so how do we move away from maybe focusing on the disability itself and instead seeing the person first whose life is impacted by disability. I think it'd be so easy to get caught up in focusing on a diagnosis rather than serving the person first. You hit that nail on the head, Crystal, by Mm -hmm. saying that people are people. And we need to see everyone is created in God's image, mm-hmm. as indispensable in the body of Christ. Every individual, regardless of their ability or disability, has unique dreams, goals, mm-hmm. desires, interests. So how am I going to know what those things are unless I become a friend, mm-hmm. invest in that relationship? We don't minister to a diagnosis, we minister to people. Yeah. So Amen. whoever comes into the church is a person. So think of them first as a person. One of the things that makes it hard for churches to do that, though, is the only way this gets modeled out in the world is either through special education or the medical model. And there you've got things like insurance, where you have to qualify for this piece of insurance because you received this diagnosis, which allows you access to these programs. And it becomes this very complicated, very regimented thing. And churches will often try to to just mimic that because mm-hmm. that's what's being modeled rather than saying, we don't care almost what your diagnosis is. We just care about you. And so what is it going to take for you to be able to be present in our fellowship? What's it going to take for you to be in community? What's it going to take for you to hear the word of God, to worship alongside your peers and to find a place to serve? Well, you know, Ryan, what would you say to the person that says, you know, that sounds good, but to be honest, I am overwhelmed. I I feel like I need Mm -hmm. to make my church accessible to all types of disabilities. This is new to me. What kind of encouragement would you give to somebody who feels just a little bit, yeah, overwhelmed? Just start with who you have. Cause, because it is, it's a methodology and it's a way of doing things more than it is a thing that you do. So if you think about disability in terms of, oh my gosh, we've got to you know, fix this. We've got to make sure this is accessible. We've got to have all these like capital changes to the building. It's going to seem overwhelming and it's going to seem like you're years away from being able to start. But if you think about it in terms of who's currently at our church that needs help, Maybe it's a child in your kid's ministry who just needs somebody to to pair up with them one-on-one. 
Maybe it's somebody who needs a ride to church. Maybe they live in a group home and they don't have reliable transportation to church. And so all you need is for someone to swing by and pick them up and bring them to church on a Sunday. Like that is disability ministry right there. And by doing that on a small scale, you are changing your posture and it will make addressing those needs in the future differently. The other thing that I would say is important to do is to just make it visible and known that you are aware of people with disabilities mm-hmm. and you care about them. And websites really are kind of the first stop for most people. Like you're not going to have a lot of people, I think these days, come to your church without having first scoped out your website. Sure. And so especially for families that have been burned by church before and have been asked to not bring their child to kids ministry, have felt like they're getting side-eyed by every other parent in the room, they might be tired of just trying churches. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking for a church that they can already know is going to be aware of their needs. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be able to have that on your, your curb, so to speak. What are some practical things a church could put on their website to genuinely reflect People of all abilities are welcome here. I'll tell you, when I go to websites, the first thing I do is I go to ministries and I look at the dropdown and all it has to have is special needs. Men's, women's, children's special needs. As long as that's there, you know you have an invitation mm. Mm. and well, someone to talk to, you know, that that would just say, call this person, that there is a person and a phone number that they can talk to someone. Yeah, that's good. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk to the churches that maybe aren't aware of all that we've shared that are starting a disability ministry. They, they have a compassion. They have a, a love for the Lord. They want to be obedient. Uh, they're not there where they have a special needs ministry. What are some basic steps to beginning? Well, I think, you know, basic for everything when you start is pray. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, how do we do this? What is this going to look like? What's the next thing to do? Gather a group of people that would faithfully pray together about how can we broaden the great ministry we already have to include people affected by disabilities. Mm-hmm. And then like Ryan already referred to, who's in your church that has a disability, visible or invisible? Maybe somebody has fibromyalgia or they have chronic pain. Talk to your small group leaders. Find out who has a disability of some form and then ask them, mm-hmm. what might be the barriers here at our church that keep you from being involved. When we have the church picnic, why didn't you come? Mm -hmm. And when you find out the simple answer, uh, my child's allergic to everything you serve, so I have to pack my own lunch anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ask some questions and then set some goals, but simple goals. I mean, if you look at the mission of your church and you ask the simple question, the mission of our church is X, Y, Z. How do people with disabilities fit into the mission of our church? Then it's a natural fit because you already know what you're doing for everybody else. So you're going to do it for those affected by disability as well. And of course, you need to establish some leadership. Who's going to be responsible and recruit volunteers? But, you know, we have all the resources to make those things so easy. How to recruit and train volunteers, how to talk to church leaders. We have resources to help any church with those things. Mm -hmm. There are more connections that are already in your church that you might not realize um, because people don't always bring it up. And I think about at my church, there was a a couple, their youngest son got um, diagnosed with autism among other things. And they just decided in that moment that they were going to take turns. One of them would stay home with him. One of them would bring their daughters to church and they would just kind of flip flop like that. And they never 
told anybody about that. And the only reason that stopped was because somebody noticed and said, hey, why are you only one of you here at a time? And they, they picked up on that. And so people might just be making accommodations like that, especially in larger churches. It can just so easily go unnoticed. There's probably already people in your church who would benefit from a more concerted effort. You know, the resources that Johnny and Friends has developed for the local church are based on the questions that we get asked all the time. Right. So our Irresistible Church series answers those questions. The new videos that we've released answer those questions. How do you get started? That's a big question. Mm -hmm. How do we recruit and train volunteers? How do we engage leadership? Help me manage some of the behaviors I see in people with disabilities. How do I adapt the curriculum that our children's ministry is using for a nonverbal child or a child that can't hold a crayon? So we have resources to answer those basic questions that we're hearing Mm -hmm. from churches on a regular basis. Some of the other things that come to mind are the quick steps page. We call them quick steps on our website. If you go down, you'll see them kind of organized by that question. And so you'll find things on like, what are types of disabilities that exist? How do I share the gospel with somebody who's got a profound intellectual disability? And they're all one to two pages kind of designed to be a handout. So our resources really walk any person gradually. If they have a simple question, we'll give them a three minute video to watch to answer that simple question. As Ryan mm-hmm. referred to a one page summary. And then if, if you want to go deeper with training, we've got Mm-hmm. A training tool that includes a PowerPoint presentation and a teaching outline. Well, and those pair with the uh, the Irresistible Church books, which are about you know, 60 to 80 pages, I think they all run. So it, it scales nicely. We've got like the one to two page things. We've got a three minute video. We've got a short book. And then we've got things that you can use to do PowerPoints or workshops based on those books. And then we even have some online courses that you can take as well going through these same types of questions. So whatever is your style and that's going to best serve you, uh, our heart is that we are able to provide that for you. And it's really simple. Just go to johnnyandfriends.org slash church and it's all there and it's free and it's downloadable. You can also find a map on there to get in touch with real people because that's the that's the main thing is we don't just put these videos or these books out there and just hope that people pick them up and read them, although you can. You can also reach out to Johnny and Friends and Brett and I will literally take your phone call um, and we'll connect you with people in these different areas who are maybe even geographically close enough that you can get involved and get connected with networks of churches who are already doing this well, particularly for churches that are just starting. There's no book we could possibly provide that I think would be more useful than seeing how the church down the street does it. Well, that's a good spot to end. Brett and Ryan, thanks so much for your time. I so enjoyed listening and learning. And I know these are easy, accessible resources that just manifest the heart of God to all abilities. What a great conversation. The church as a whole has a desire and plan for welcoming including any person who walks through the door of the church. So we want to help the church make every avenue of ministry available to every person. We can make a way for everyone. Your church is doing great work, so we'd love to assist you in making sure that everyone is included in that great work you're already doing. Please check out the resources Brett and Ryan shared about at johnnyandfriends.org podcast. Or if you'd like to talk to someone, send me a message at podcast at johnnyandfriends.org. Thank you for listening today. 
To get our next conversation automatically, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Crystal Keating, and thank you for listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. Thank you.